Burke's Bereavement Bears is a nonprofit that provides comfort and support to women who have experienced pregnancy loss. Founded by Taylor in 2022, the organization was inspired by her own miscarriage and the desire to offer a meaningful bereavement gift to other women by donating bears to local hospitals and offering support to friends and loved ones. You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Theron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter. Because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. Let's go back to 2020 and everything that was going on and where you found yourself. So just kind of take me back to that point in being pregnant. Sure. So we got married 2019, October, and we're so glad we did because COVID was up and coming and really hit. We took a trip to Nashville, Tennessee, and I found out there the first day that we were there that I was pregnant. And it was my for my 28th birthday party, and we took a little weekend trip, and then I was pregnant, and we were so excited, and I was drinking water the whole time, and the bartenders looked at me like I was crazy for ordering water. But anyways, we were so excited, we get back, and we decided to tell our parents right away. And got the little like onesie, and it said baby do. And we got our first ultrasound April 1st of 2020. My midwife, OBGYN, said, everything looks great. We saw the heartbeat strong, but the baby is measuring about a week and a half behind, which she said it was okay, but they're going to watch me consistently and make sure that we're okay. It's not a big red flag, but we will watch you. So I'm a little nauseous, just normal. Eight days later, I am sitting with my parents and my husband. And we usually go to dinner with them, like go to their house and have dinner. And we play euchre at night. And I all of a sudden feel this gush. And I went to the bathroom and I am just bleeding very heavily. And I start to cry and I'm very scared. And at that moment, no one were allowed to go into ER with you. So I am literally shaking. So I know that my husband would have to sit in the ER parking lot. And I call my midwife. I said, I started to bleed. She said, go to the ER. And my husband drives me up to Akron, which is our ER hospital that my midwife sat. And they take me in. My husband gives me a kiss and he's scared too. So he's crying. I'm crying. And it was a really scary and emotional time. People had masks on. You couldn't see their face. No one could hold your hand. I'm sitting there in the ER waiting room just shaking. And they tried to get my blood to do an HCG blood test to check my numbers. And they couldn't get a stick on me. So they had to put it in my neck and in my arm. And obviously they got some blood. And they took me into the ultrasound room and the ultrasound tech was dead silent. And I knew what that meant. So they wheeled me back to my ER waiting room. And about an hour and a half later, 
I am, you know, I'm texting my husband, I'm calling, my battery's dying and nurses can't hold your hand or hug you and you're crying because it's COVID and everyone's short staffed and the resident doctor comes in and he came and see his face. He goes, your baby is not viable. Please follow up with your OBGYN in 24 to 48 hours. No, I'm sorry. No, nothing was given. And the nurse comes in and discharges me and I'm walking down the hall and I collapse on the floor and I'm crying hysterically. And one of the nurses sees me down the hall and comes over and secretly hugs me and goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Whatever you're going through, I'm so sorry. And I walk out to my husband's car and I said, it's maybe just passed. I'm so sorry. And I will never forget him crying in the truck. It was the most emptiness and broken that I felt in my life. I felt like I had deprived my husband of a child and I felt very guilty. I was angry, very angry at myself, very angry at my body for not providing a child. I was very angry at God. I completely lost my faith and I'm a very Christian person. I sing on the worship team every Sunday and I completely lost my faith and it was a very difficult time. So I followed up with my OBGYN and she said, come on in. We have to do a confirmation ultrasound to make sure that your baby did pass, which is the most awful thing that we can do as a medical team to bring someone who just lost their baby into a room full of happy women and sitting there with their ultrasound images and laughing and calling and whatever. And I had to go in, put the ultrasound thing on my belly and said, it's passed, but you still need to have a DNC because you're, sorry if I'm being too graphic, but the, your lining of your uterus is too thick and we need to clean it out. But it's the harsh reality of people that go through miscarriages. So my DNC was scheduled for the next morning and the process was very harsh. They gave me some Ativan to calm me down because I was a wreck. I was emotionally a wreck. They didn't offer me anything, no comfort. My husband was allowed to come with me during that time. So that was nice. But after the DNC, people sent me flowers, people sent me meals, texted, called, but I really didn't know how to talk to anyone. I was hurt. I was angry at life. I'm usually a happy-go-lucky person. I'm upbeat. I reach out to people and I'm just, I'm happy. And I completely shut down in life for about a month. Didn't text, didn't call. I just shut down. During that time after the DNC, one of my family members, my grandma, actually gave me this bear without the rainbow and the ribbon on it. And I felt that it was so nice. And it was so nice to just hold at night and have something to comfort and hold. And about a couple months after my DNC and they start to heal, and my husband and I tried again. I think it was two or three months after my DNC that we got pregnant again with my son, Brooks. Now, the day that I had my pregnant test, my two pink lines, we had gone out to dinner that night. And there was a full, beautiful rainbow in the sky when I walked out of the restaurant doors. I said, you know what? That's a sign. A baby's born after a miscarriage is called a rainbow baby. And I took that as a sign from my baby and God that things were going to be okay. 
Oh, I love that. So let me ask, do you know why it's called a rainbow baby? Do you know? Yes. So miscarriage is kind of like the storm. And after a storm is a sunshine. And when it rains and sunshine, it forms a a rainbow. So that's kind of why you have to go through the storm to get something beautiful. That's why they're called rainbow babies. I love that. So let me just back up a little bit and then we'll move on with your son now. So one, I'm so sorry you went through that alone. Like I know miscarriage is common, but usually you're able to have someone right at your side and you're going through this during COVID when it's like, sorry, but like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it did it feel like when you were in the hospital in the ER that you were having to experience that alone? Yes, completely. No one was coming in to say, I'm sorry. People were running around like their chickens where heads are cut off. I mean, it was the height of COVID. It was just the most emptiness and just, I don't even know how to explain it. Just empty. Did your husband tell you like how he was feeling or what was going through his head as you were in the ER? Just texted and called and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I called him after I got the news and he started screaming and crying. And I will never forget him saying that in my ear. Sorry. It's really emotional to think about it. I'll never forget those screams and the cries from the ER parking lot. It was just hard not to be able to hug him or hug anyone or hold anyone's hand. I felt so alone. Even though I had my husband's support and I had my mom and dad's support and I had my friend's support, they were calling me and texting me, but I wanted something to hug. Yeah. And that's where this came into play. No, and it's totally understandable that going through something hard, you just want somebody there in your presence that you love, that you know loves you and cares for you. So I know everyone deals with this differently. I've myself have had a miscarriage. I've also had a molar pregnancy. So sorry. Thank you. The molar pregnancy was definitely, I would say for me, the hardest. The miscarriage, we did already announce it, do the whole, oh, we're pregnant. And I remember being sad and probably for about a week just feeling, and you question like, did I do something? Was it my nutrition? Was it, should I should have done something better? But I just know for me, it didn't feel for me as devastating as my molar pregnancy. I think because the molar pregnancy was following it. So one, it's like, okay, I have the miscarriage. I got through it. It was still very upsetting and stuff. But I remember like feeling like I could heal from it. For me, it was like that second time. I was like, then I started to question, holy crap, like what's wrong with me? That was when it really hit me. And why I think one reason was that it was the second time and it wasn't a miscarriage. It was a molar pregnancy that I had to have a DNC for. And what a molar pregnancy is my body thought I was pregnant and I definitely was growing something in my uterus and the egg and the sperm did its thing. But instead of forming a baby, it formed like a tumor that makes your body believe that it's pregnant. And I remember just feeling like so crazy. I'm like, nothing's wrong. I feel so crazy. And it's because it sends your HCG through the roof. So like emotionally and mentally, I was like a mess because my levels were so high. And then having had cancer once before, having to deal with this, you know, and I had to do blood work and watch it drop and chemo was a possibility, all this stuff. So I just remember that with the molar pregnancy, it just, that was really hard for me, especially because it was a whole year ordeal. And I don't say this to like anything bad. I just, we are all different. We all cope differently. 
And for me, that first miscarriage was, it's not pleasant, but I remember just being okay with it in about a week. It was that second time that really got to me. So I'm just curious as for you, what makes this so hard for women or what made it so hard for you? Or have you been able to pinpoint that and work through it? I just want to understand a little bit more of your story. So I really never had anyone in my family or like close friends experience a miscarriage. And I really didn't know much about it. And so when it happened to me, I felt completely away from the world. Like I was one in a million, but it's not, it's one in four, 20% of women go through this. And I felt so alone because I had no one to talk to. None of my friends experienced it. And I just felt so alone. I mean, my mom didn't even know what to say to me. It's just, I'm sorry. With it being so common, you would think that maybe it would be talked about more. But to be honest, I don't hear a lot about it either. No, when I went back to work a week after my DNC and after I healed, a couple of coworkers came in and said, oh, I had a miscarriage. I had two before my children. I had three and I never knew this. Like it's just not talked about enough to make it. Why do you think that it's not talked about? I don't know. I think it's you're looked at differently. I think you're viewed as not a mother and you totally are because you carried a life, even if for a short amount of time, you are still a mother, even though your baby passed. And I think the world needs to be more aware that this is happening so frequently and we need to comfort these women and talk about it more often. I truly believe that. I wonder if it's also depending on like your own personal beliefs behind it and maybe like what you think. Cause I mean, I don't want to get into all the politics. That's not what it's about, but you know, we do all have our own, Oh, it's a life when it's born or it's a life when it's conceived. So sometimes I wonder if maybe it's our own personal beliefs and thoughts. Right. Right. Around it. That is why we all respond differently or even the comments. I don't know about you, but I've heard, well, at least you weren't 40 weeks. It's God's planning. It's at least you can get pregnant, which crushed me. I wanted this baby. Yes. I know that I can get pregnant, but I wanted this baby is really what hit home for me. Yeah. And why do you feel like for you that it, it just rocked you to your core? I mean, you said your faith and you were angry and guilt and you shut down. Like what was going on with all of that? It was the height of COVID and I was literally locked in the house. I couldn't reach out to anyone. I didn't know anyone who went through miscarriage. I ultimately turned to a Facebook group after kind of an, an, an like initial shock. And I felt not alone in that Facebook group. I didn't know these women. And I posted my story and women were like, oh my gosh, this is the same what happened to me. And I had a similar story and it just, it made me feel not alone. And I really gravitated towards that Facebook group because there was no one in my family that I could talk. I really confided in that group. I made some lifelong friends because of it. Yeah. And what about your husband during all of this? Because it sounds like it was hard for him. Where did he run for comfort? He is a man that's six foot two and a big burly guy. And 
he does not like to show his emotions and he likes to be strong for me. And after the initial shock at the ER, he wanted to be strong for me. He wanted to lift me up. I remember this one night I took a shower and I could hear him by bawling his eyes out on the phone as to not let me hear him crying. And it really rocked me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like he needs support too. He's trying to be strong for me and not let me see him cry. So that really rocked me too. But we found a way to, you know, talk about it through it together. And we ultimately got pregnant again, which my son literally saved our lives, just made us so happy. And I don't know if you want to talk about this, but my pregnancy with my son now was probably the hardest pregnancy I went through. I had something called HG, hypermesis gervasum. Entirely sure I'm pronouncing that right. But I lost 42 pounds. I got sick 15 times a day. I had to go to the hospital once a month for IV treatments. And I was just so sick. I had to be induced two weeks early with my son because I was so sick. So it was struggle after struggle. And then I finally had him and the world was right. And I still grieve in some way with my miscarriage every day. I think about it, but it's learning how to live with that grief and making people aware of miscarriages and using my grief into something positive. And that's exactly why I started this nonprofit. When you said that your son saved you, did he help you in the healing process? Do you feel like because you got pregnant with a couple months after your miscarriage? Mm -hmm. So was it just a dark, heavy cloud and a storm? And then all of a sudden you're pregnant again. It's like, like a rainbow. Like a rainbow. Exactly. Was there any fear that maybe you'd miscarry again or anything like that? I would sit in my OBGYN office parking lot and shake and sometimes cry because I was so incredibly scared of, is this going to be the time they're going to tell me, oh, his heart stopped. Oh, you're going to bleed. There's something abnormally wrong with him or genetically wrong with him. You're going to have to board or something. I was so, so incredibly scared. But ultrasound after ultrasound, he was like, he's perfect. He's fine. Obviously, you're not fine because you're... You've lost so much weight and not doing well, but he's fine. He's perfectly fine. So he literally saved me. And the, you being the mother, you know that the love for your children is just, I don't know how to explain it, but it's so strong. And you love that little boy or girl with your whole entire heart. And you would give up everything to see them happy or to make them okay. And I just really feel like my son saved me. I love that. And you said his name is Brooks? His name is Brooks. So yes. Okay. So that's where the name comes from. Okay. So because of your experience in the hospital and your grandmother giving you that teddy bear, that's where this idea kind of formulated from? Yes. So I felt like I could use my grief in supporting other women going through what I went through whether they were a single mother who just lost their child or just need some extra comfort. I really wanted to support women who went through what I went through. And it's part of my healing as well. So I looked at it that way. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. <laughs> no, it does. And I actually, because bereavement is not a word that I use often. So I Googled it because I wanted to know exactly. I mean, I had an idea of what it meant, but I want to know exactly what it meant because you called this nonprofit that you started Brooks Bereavement Bears. 
And bereavement means a period of grief and mourning after a death. I feel like your wording is perfect. Thank you. That was a little play on words, but I love it. I wanted to truly understand like what your son now, that's his name. And then bereavement, of course, it makes sense. And then bears because you give teddy bears. And we had mentioned this earlier and I knew about this one initially. You actually gave one of my friends who lost a child, a teddy bear. And I messaged her today and was like, I'm having a call with Taylor. And she said she gave you one of her bears. Like, what are your thoughts about it? Pulling it up. And she did. She said, yeah. So she still has the bear and it's sitting with all of her baby's stuff. And she said that it brings lots of comfort to her and the girls, especially one of her daughters. And so with one of her daughters, she'll go in there and she'll hold the teddy bear. I love that. It's nice being able to like interview you, right? The founder. But considering we had that connection with one of my girlfriends, I kind of just wanted a different perspective and feedback from someone who had received ones. I was watching their TikToks one day and the bear popped into one of the TikToks. I'm like, oh my gosh, you put it in the TikTok. <laughs> Before we move on to hearing more about the nonprofit and stuff, let's talk about miscarriage a little bit more, just in general. So you had already mentioned that about 20% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. That's quite high. I had no idea. But I also read that there is some research that says it could actually be as high as 30%, only because they were saying that a lot of women will have a miscarriage before they even know they're pregnant. So I could see how women could be like, oh man, this is a really bad period if you don't realize you're pregnant. So from 20, really all the way up to 30, which is a really high number. And miscarriage, they say, is the loss of a pregnancy in the womb before 20 weeks. And I guess after 20 weeks, that's when it's considered a stillbirth. And then they were saying like miscarriage, a lot of women can go on to have a completely healthy baby. Just sometimes it takes a while to, you know, you have the physical recovery, but then the emotional recovery from it can usually take a little bit longer. So what can we do for friends who, who experience that? Do you feel like the pregnancy loss? What are some things we can do for them? I would say send them a text or call and just say, I'm here for you. I know you may not want to talk about it, but please know that I am here for you. Whether I understand or not, if you need to talk, if not, just know that I love you and I'm here for you. I love messages like that. And that really helps me. So take their lead because I think just being the one to open the door to say, hey, I am here if you want to talk, that's opening the door. If they want to talk, they will. And if they don't, maybe not take it personally. <laughs> Right. Some women may want to, some women may be very open and some women just may not be ready to talk about it. I think something that we've already touched on is not to minimize the loss with things like, well, at least you can get pregnant or at least you weren't full term. Do you know what I mean? Like at least you already have three children because that is actually something that the lady I can't remember because it's been a while ago. She was either the tech or the doctor coming in and explaining. I want to say it was a doctor coming in to explain what the tech had found. And those were her words. I actually wrote them down because I, I found it. She said, 
you already have three. You should be grateful for them and not have any more. So you better believe this girl was like, I will never see you again. And I actually went and I found myself a different doctor to handle the whole molar pregnancy. Because I'm like, good for you. Because that's heartless. And so when you said when you were in the ER and people just, it was a matter of fact, right? Like the baby's not, is viable. Your pregnancy isn't viable. Please follow up. I know you're busy, but have a heart. Yeah, absolutely. Someone's baby just died. You wouldn't say that at a funeral. Right. And you wouldn't say, well, at least you got 20 years with your husband. We wouldn't say, we wouldn't say that, right? Well, at least you can remarry. What? We would never say any of that stuff. And so not just friends don't minimize it, but in the medical field, maybe have a little bit better bedside manners is what I would call them to people who have lost a child because we all do handle it completely different. And I like what you said, just reach out. So the few things that I'd found when I was looking into just doing a little bit more research on this, because for me, it had been so many years. And they said, don't ask when you're going to try again. I guess just kind of quickly moving on, right? Like it's like a, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> Let me process. Let me go through it how I need to go through it. And it said, they said, show your support concretely. And then like how you had mentioned some ways that we can show support is bring a dinner over. So there's something that let me know how you feel that I believe in is I think friends mean well, I think family means well. And when somebody is going through something hard, a struggle, a loss, sometimes I just feel like saying, let me know if you need something shouldn't be said. I'm at the grocery store. What do you need? What can I pick up for you? I'm at Starbucks. What can I bring you? Yeah, I think when we're in the thick of it, it's sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, I need this and this, right? Because you're grieving or you're so sad. So I always say, just show up. You know what I mean? If you're at the Starbucks and they don't respond, just get them something. I don't think they're going to be mad <laughs> that you got them the wrong coffee or the wrong drink or... Right. Instead of saying, can I make you a meal? Just make the meal and show up. And I think, of course, if these are your friends and your family members, they're going to know if there's any allergies or anything like that, any special diet needs. But I'm just a believer, just show up. Just make the meal, drop it off. If you have that, and of course, it's depending on your relationship. If you have the relationship, show up and be like, I'm here to clean your house. I don't want to talk to you. Go to your room. Because for me, I'm the type of person that when someone shows up, I sometimes don't even answer my door because I don't want to converse. And thankfully, you have this really good friend who she will just drop stuff off. She won't knock. She won't, you because we're just not always in the mood, especially unannounced visits. Right. So if you feel like your friend needs to chat, then have the conversation, but give them permission that they don't have to. Go to your room. I'm here. I got two hours. I'm going to clean. And then just do it. So for me, it's just show up. Just make the meal. Just get the gift card, just buy the Starbucks coffee, drop it off, get the groceries. And I loved little things like that. That's what made me kind of come out of my funk and realize that there's people who love you and there's people who want to make sure that you're okay. And that really, really helps me. And then just keep checking in because it's kind of like when somebody passes, right? I mean, I've lost several people in my life and when they pass and you're planning the funeral, you're getting all the messages, you're getting 
all the calls, you're getting all the flowers. And then after the funeral, things kind of tailor off. But I love that the recommendation was just keep checking in and then also share your story. Like you said, you had to find the Facebook group and then you realized you were not alone. And so I think sharing your story to say, hey, I've been there. It's different when somebody has, in my opinion, been there and you're talking with them versus when someone has not been there. We all experience it differently for sure, but to know that they've at least experienced it, I think that means a lot. So I love that they recommend it. Really does. Yeah, to share your story. And that I read all of that from happiestbaby.com. She was just giving some advice. Okay, so you get pregnant. And how old is your baby boy now? He will be two in April. When's his birthday? April 5th. So it's literally almost a year to the day that I lost my first child. Wow. Yeah. A lot of emotions every year that week. And you know what I love about you, Taylor, is what you know I like a lot about a lot of the guests that come on is I love hearing stories where you went through something that was just so devastating and so hard, but you took that pain and you turned it into doing something for others who are walking that path that you once walked. To me, that just is a different type of people. Well, thank you. I felt the need to help when you go through something and you just, you want to be there and you just want to help. I really felt that calling in life. Like this is what I was meant to do. And you probably had that feeling doing this podcast and hearing other people's stories. And I just know this is what I'm meant to do. It doesn't come with a paycheck, but it comes with a paycheck with the heart. Yeah. So, okay. So tell me how this whole idea comes about and let's talk about the nonprofit now. So a year after my loss, I decided I'm going to donate 10 bears to the ER where I had my loss as a way of saying, this is my way to honor my baby and to help other women. And, you know, I tie a little message around the neck and with a little pink and blue ribbon, pink and blue is the colors of the pregnancy loss. And it's a message of hope and you are not alone. Your baby's always with you. This is an honor of my baby that passed as well. Please have this for comforting. And I just, I felt the need to help. And it really helped me with my grieving journey as well. And I just really felt the need to help. So after that, my family and my friends and my husband, they all said, oh my gosh, why don't you turn this into a nonprofit? Why don't you help more women and then just donating once a year in honor of our baby? Why don't you make this into a nonprofit? And kind of tinker in the back of my mind. I have a newborn baby. I'm a working mom dealing with life. I'm like, I don't know if I have the time but I really want to do it. I just, it just kept festering and festering. And last year in October, I finally made the decision. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. My baby has a routine and she's fine. And I have some time at night because he sleeps 12, 13 hours a night. I'm grateful for that. So I have the time to work on this. And I just made the decision. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I really have gotten so much support from women that I've sent the bear to. And we've now partnered with Cleveland Clinic Mercy Hospital in Canton. And we've also partnered with a couple of local OBGYN offices in Canton area. 
in Akron. And we also partnered with a main hospital down in Cambridge, Ohio, which is like Southeastern Ohio. And just the support and less than a year that we're getting is so wonderful. I never even thought that like my dream and my passion for helping people would come true. And it's wonderful to see how rewarding it is to take my pain, help support other women going through their own nightmare. And I get Facebook messages from women who find me and they say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for this bear. Literally changed my life. And I just want to thank you so much. Like heartfelt messages. And it brings tears to my eyes knowing that I helped these women. And I don't know, it, it makes my heart happy, but I'm sad at the same time. Yeah. Why do you think that there is so much power in a teddy bear? Why do you think a teddy bear is helping so much? In my personal opinion, it's like, it's your baby. Like you can tangibly hold something in your arms. And that's what really helped me. I felt so empty from going home from the hospital, literally empty without a baby. And it just it helped me at night to grieve a mother. You're attached to something for nine months and I mean, you don't get to go home with your baby. You need to feel like you're, you have something again. I think that's what literally helped me. It makes sense. Like, as you mentioned it, that when a woman goes and miscarries or even stillbirth, go home empty handed, which you're not thinking you're going to. So to have something tangible to hold, to carry, it would make sense to me why that would help. And it's a nice size bear. It's about 16 inches and it's got a little weight to it. So it's a little weighted and it's just so nice to cuddle with. And it's so soft. It's from the company. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right. Demdenko. And it's sold in like hospital gift shops and whatnot. And it's just really a nice bear to hold and to cuddle with. Yeah. What's the best way to support you guys, your nonprofit? So we have our website, which is www.brooksbereavementbears.com. And there's a donate button there. I can buy these bears at wholesale cost for 16 a bear. And this nonprofit is solely based off of donations and corporate gifts and whatnot. These bears are they not wholesale for $33 a bear. So I can get them for like literally half that. So every dollar goes a lot ways. What would you say to the woman who has just lost her baby, who is struggling? Do you have any words that you could leave her? Always remember your baby. Say their name. Grieve, but don't let grief overtake you. And always remember your baby. Say their name. That's the one memento I'll, I'll leave with. Yeah, I love that. Is there anything that we didn't touch on or anything that you want to talk about or any last minute thoughts or anything that you'd like to leave? No, but my organization is just for Ohio, women Ohio right now. I would like to branch out when we get bigger, if we get bigger to all 50 states. I wish every hospital in the U.S. would have these bears for women. I think it's wonderful, but we're just in Ohio right now. Yeah. Small but mighty. Yes. And you guys will expand as you grow. I mean, you said you just started, right? In October. Literally just started. Yes. Just started. I love that so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on and sharing your story. And no, it's not always an easy one talking about loss, but I love that you are just out there and you're taking that pain and you truly are 
turning that into a purpose and transforming it for something that is helping your healing process, but also serving other women as well. So really appreciate it. And what's the best place? Like, I know you gave your website, but is there like a social media platform that's best to connect with you on? I have a Facebook, I have Instagram, and I have an email as well. It's taylor.prelac, P-R-E-L-A-C, at brooksbereavementbears.com. You can email me as well. Okay. And do you have any up and coming things going on or just curious with the nonprofit or any fundraisers? We do have a fundraiser coming up in about two weeks. It's at a brewery in Cambridge, Ohio. We have silent auction, raffle prizes. They're picking one adult beverage to donate some of the portions to us for the whole night. So we're hoping to get some great donations and get the word out more. And yeah, this is our first big fundraiser. Awesome. Love it. So just go out to your website and they can donate. And right now you're serving the women in Ohio, but as you grow, you will expand. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. It's been great learning more about your story and how Burke's Bereavement Bears came about. And then just, I enjoyed having that connection with our friend that you gave her one and, and kind of hearing her feedback and what it's done for her. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor to speak with you and can't wait to see how this goes. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Winnie the Pooh. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness. Thank you.